0: morning church family both here in the room and watching along with us online you know I I am NOT so much a runner I love sports and I love competition I I don't necessarily love to run but I read recently that for those that do like to run and those who take part in marathons and a marathons a little over 26 miles that statistically speaking the most common place where runners give up is known as the 20th mile and the 20th mile, and the reason for that, they say, is because those that hit the 20th mile, their body starts to break down, mentally they start to break down, and they really, it's sometimes called as hitting the wall. And they're too far removed from the beginning, but they're not close enough yet to the finish, and so they can't take it, and they give up. I believe all of us have a certain level or a certain situation that we're in that really equates to the 20th mile. That maybe you've been working hard all semester, right? And you're ready for the break. Maybe it's a job or a project that you've been pushing through, or a goal that you have, or a relationship that you've been working on. And and you feel somewhere in the middle, and you feel physically broken down, you feel mentally broken down, maybe emotionally broken down. But you're too far from the beginning, and you're, you can't quite yet see the end, and so you hit the wall. Well, today, I want to encourage you and talk about what do we do when we hit the 20th mile. Our message this morning is entitled, Don't Give Up. Don't give up. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and just say, don't give up. And to your other neighbor, say, ah, you should call it quits. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that part. The reason we are talking about not giving up is because this is exactly what Paul did as he finishes his letter to the Galatians. This week is the final week in our series called Firm Foundation, where we're talking about what Paul wrote to the early church and the early house churches there in and around the area of Galatia 2,000 years ago. And he gets to the end where really all letter, he's been talking about the power of grace and the gospel and freedom found in Jesus. And he talks about how we can enjoy that freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gets really practical at the end and encourages believers not to give up. And really the key, what we're going to talk about today, one of the keys to finishing well, finishing your marathon, finishing your race, finishing the task that God has laid before you, is to surround yourself with strong Christian community. And that's what we have here that's what we're trying to do here and that's why i encourage you to recognize in your life and so if you're taking notes i want you to write this down that christian community helps you grow in grit and goodness christian community helps you grow in grit and goodness and it's christian community because really what we're talking about here is at the end of the day who gives you the perseverance is god and so there is community places found throughout our world and what I, what I want to encourage you with, and, and really urge you to understand, is that your desire for community around the world and in different sectors of life, sports, interests, work, whatever, whatever may have you, that's really a sign that your soul is longing for Christian community, that faith and family go together. And so how this is going to break down is that when Paul's writing this last chapter, the first five verses really teach us about what does it mean to have grit, and then the next five verses teach us what does it mean to pursue goodness. Because with Christian community by your side, you can see both of these things come into play. And so let's open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, we invite you to take one out of our Bible box that we have out in the lobby. And then we also have some at our hospitality table. If you're watching online and you don't have a Bible, let us know, fill out that next step form and we'd love to send you one. But here's where Paul begins the last chapter of his letter. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness to keep watch on yourself lest you two be tempted. I love the spirit of this because what he's talking about here is the power to restore someone who's fallen. It's not this judgmental, aha, I got you kind of thing, but rather it's to lift the brother or sister up who's fallen. So not like caught red-handed, like aha, I'm better than you, but rather I see that you've fallen and that I'm here to restore you. That word restore is actually the same word that describes fishermen mending nets. (coughs) And so when somebody falls down, you can pick them back up. Now, verse 2, it continues on. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. my apologies here. It's been a little bit of an interesting week. No worries. Negative around the board for those that are wondering. Okay. Multiple tests there, negative. We'll say I'm not on my eight game today. But uh, we see here to bear one another's burdens. And that word burden is really this heavy weight that you can't lift on your own. And and to surround someone, to lift something that someone on their own cannot carry. And this is important because he uses a different word a few verses later. But I want you to see here that it says to fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Because earlier in the book, he talks about faith is more important than law. Well, in this case, he's referring to the law of Christ or really the lesson of Christ, which is known as the great commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others, not only as you would, but as Jesus did. That when you love people, it's showing that you have an understanding of the gospel. And so one of the best things you can do is to look to lift the burdens for the people who are hurting. And so sin is really an action that someone is struggling with, but then this burden is usually something or a storm or circumstance that somebody is carrying right? And we can go alongside them and carry that with them. Verse three, for if anyone thinks that he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And now I love this because he understands what is possible. So if you're the person to restore someone who's sinning, and you're the person that carries someone's burden, it would be easy for you to feel prideful or puffed up. But the goal of this is not so that you can feel better about yourself. The goal is that we can lift and carry each other's burdens and support one another. So the end result of that, the end result of the Holy Spirit and of love and of the gospel is actually a place of humility because you very well could be in that spot where you need to be lifted up and you need a burden carried. And so I love that he includes that in there because the Judaizers or the Pharisees would look down on people and they would call out sins and they would call out issues but they did so from a place of judgment and Paul's coming from a place of joy let's continue reading verse 4 let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor and then verse 5 it says for each will have to bear his own load Now this word load is different from burden because burden is this heaviness that one cannot carry themselves. But a load is a lighter weight. Think of a backpack that you have to carry. I love that. Everyone has to carry their own backpack, right? You have to take responsibility because the flip side of those verses of saying we need to care for one another are the people that might come across as lazy or apathetic or enabling, right? You need to help me. Like, help, I can't get up. You know, I've fallen and I can't get up, like the Urkel quote there. Like, no, you, you do need to take some responsibility. Like, there are people in this world who, like, everything seems like a spiritual attack. Have you, have you known those people? They're like, oh, Satan's just after me. Like, really? I think you just made a bad decision. <laughs> you know? Like, how if God could just provide? Well, do you have a job? No. Have you applied? Have you even looked to apply? Like, there's a level of responsibility there. Um, I was a youth pastor for 12 years, and I heard another youth pastor say one time to me in speaking to teenage boys. And, and I think not only is it applicable to teenage boys, but applicable to all of us. And It said that teenage boys often are like trucks, that uh, they drive a little bit better when there's some weight in the back. <laughs> you know, like, there's this idea that we need to take our responsibility That we don't just need idle time and idle hands that we need to do what we can with what we have to help others and so another way that this breaks it down is that when in order to build grit in our lives we can see that growing grit involves three things number one it requires accountability when you have accountability it's somebody that's checking your heart checking your spirit so for me, like my wife and I, we, we share all passwords and things there and have access to each other and having regular conversations. Um, in terms of organization and ministry, I have an incredible board of elders that I'm checking in with um, on a regular basis at least once a month and sometimes more. I have five different coaches through Vision Arizona. And we have friends and family close by that as needs come up and conversations happen, you can approach these things. And so the question is, do you have somebody in your life that can speak into your life and that you can speak into their life. That you can support one another, not from a judgmental standpoint, but from a carry burden support and say, hey, you need to take some responsibility here. Hey, you need to take a step forward here. And so it takes those things. So it takes accountability. But second, we see that it requires stability. It requires stability. It helps when you have people to hold you up when you're feeling weak. It helps When you have people around you that can make a difference. I shared I'm not exactly on my A game this week. And I'm so grateful to our team um, that take care of literally everything else here today. And everything else going on. That we're in one family. That we're one body. That we're working together. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that it's bigger than just one person. That together it's about the Savior who loves us. That, that we, as a family, can love one another, encourage one another. That we can lift one another up when we're struggling through a difficult circumstance. And then then third, what we see in this passage is that grit requires responsibility, right? We can't just always sit back and expect everyone else to take care of things when God has given you the brain, has given you the body, and has given you the resources to go after things that he's put before you, right? In the garden, God created the world. God created Adam and Eve, and then what did he do? He actually gave them a job, right? He gave them a job because he invited them into a, a purpose, invited them into stewardship, to manage. And whatever you find yourself doing in life, whether it's raising a child, supporting a friend, working a job, so many different industries, you can do so for the glory of God when you take responsibility for yourself and your actions in the process. So this is how we grow in grit. And, and I heard a speaker say recently, and it stuck with me, that, that often our world teaches that we should focus on success. But the issue with success is at the end of the day, usually success is focused on self. And so what I wanna offer you in response to that is don't pursue success, instead pursue significance. See, the only way you pursue significance is when you look to serve and meet the needs of others. Because you can be personally successful and relationally broken. But if you experience significance of the gospel and you look to meet the needs, it gives you the strength to persevere and to continue on and to fight another day. Because it's not just your needs, it's others' needs, and we can lift each other up that we're not just pursuing success, we're pursuing significance. Now let's continue reading and see where Paul now transitions to talking about goodness. Verse 6 says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. There's a relationship there. There's those receiving the word, those hearing the word responding with a spirit of generosity. Then he continues on. Verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I'm going to reread this verse in a second. And the reason is because Billy Graham at the end of his life he was asked if you could preach one more sermon, if you don't know who Billy Graham is, one of the most well-known, famous um, evangelists, pastors, speakers in the, in the last hundred years, and really in the history of the church, if you're talking about total reach. And when he was asked at the end of his life, if you could preach one more sermon, what would you preach?" He said, "I would preach on Galatians 6:9." And so I don't know about you, but if Billy Graham said, if I had one more verse to preach, it would be this one, I would highlight and mark that down. Because he says, it's, it's easy for us to give up, right? It's easy for us to struggle, because we live in a broken world. But he, he doesn't say that in due season, maybe we'll reap. It's possible that we could reap. He says, no, the principle of sowing and reaping, planting and harvest, is that you will reap. If we do not give up. And so, whatever you're sowing right now, I understand that continue on in persistence, continue on in grit and in goodness, and God will see you through. It says in verse 10 So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are the household of faith. How you treat others is a reflection of how you view God. I'm gonna say that again for emphasis and also because my voice is pretty raspy, (laughs) so you might have missed it. How you treat others is a direct reflection, is a direct reflection of how you view God. Jesus tells a parable of a story about a man who is in debt equivalent of millions of dollars And the owner decides to forgive that debt, and that man is set free. Well, that man owed millions of dollars, a debt that he could never pay, and that had been forgiven. When he goes out, he sees a neighbor who owes him just a little bit, and he threatens him and starts belittling him and attacking the person. And then the question is, well, how can you refuse to forgive when you've been forgiven much? And so our understanding of the grace and the gospel should directly impact how we treat and love and serve one another. You know, last month we had the Powerball that went up to $2 billion. And I thought to myself, I really hope that person who wins it goes to Mission Grove. (laughs) If so, I wanna tell you about the Crazy Love Project. And now Desert Ridge will own, our Mission Grove owns all of Desert Ridge. It's great. <laughs> but two, I thought, okay, if you had just won the Powerball, would you still, like, pursue little coupons and discounts? Like, any discount people, like, I, any clearance people in the house? Like, I'm a clearance person. Like, I love clearance. I love me a deal, you know? Like, if I can save 50 cents, I will do it, you know? Like, I'll go, I'll buy one, get one. I love me some BOGO especially when it's food-related. And, like, you know, we're pursuing things, and I want that coupon, or I get this percentage off, or I sign up for that newsletter to get a discount at the purchase. And then if I can get a coupon and an online discount and a clearance item, oh, it's a good day. And uh, now, if you just won $2 billion, do you, like, are you at a point in your life where you need to continue doing that? You know? Like, that seems weird at that point, doesn't it? Like, but this is what happens to us as Christians. Jesus has given us eternity, eternal lottery here, eternal forgiveness and freedom and joy and purpose. And yet we go out and we try to take little things from people and we're searching off the clearance rack and we're like, oh, if I could just have this. He's like, really, I've given you everything. And so your understanding of the gospel and who God is impacts our relationships. And that's why when when you're fighting something in a relationship or in a workplace, the best place to go is not directly at that person, but actually first to God. Because when you can see that person as God sees that person, when you can see your situation as God sees that situation, it makes all the difference. And therefore, Christians should be the most loving people in the world. And in that verse, you notice too, he says, especially to those in the household of faith. You know, if, if you think about growing up with siblings, and siblings, you love them and you protect them, but you push each other's buttons, right? You nitpick, you fight. Parents, I guarantee every one of you have been in the car and threatened to pull the car over because one sibling or one kid is, he's touching me, he's looking at me, he grabbed the toy I wanted. And like, there's this bickering back and forth. I wonder sometimes if that's how the world looks at the church. Is that we, we disagree with someone and then we go to social. Ooh, this is the right thing to do. Boom. And we slam other believers. Or it's almost like we, we celebrate when someone falls. Like, it breaks my heart when a pastor falls morally. And, and, and then when we see people see, I knew it. And it's like, who wins in that situation, you know? Like when there is a difference and there is a potential heresy within doctrine, like I'm not saying don't pursue truth. Like always pursue truth. But don't forget that the world is watching and how we treat each other matters. In fact, Jesus to his disciples said, how you love one another will show the world that you are different. So let us be people who understanding the grace and gospel of Jesus Christ can go and do good. Not because we want something in return, but because we've already received everything through Christ. And so growing in goodness, we can do so in three ways for those taking notes. Number one, we're challenged to sow or to plant your treasure. The idea of being generous. It's all a recent statistic that the local church outgives every other program and industry in the world, governments, charities, different things. The local church actually gives more to the needs of others than any other organization in the world, and I think that is a reflection of the fact that you cannot outgive God, and that when we believe. In a generous God, it allows us to in turn be generous. And that because we are created in God's image, that when you give, you're actually giving in the spirit of God and you get to experience and you are being God and you're being generous to others. But not only can we sow our treasure, second, we can also sow our talent and our gifts and our abilities. The question is, what are you sowing right now in your parenting? What are you sowing in your workplace? What are you sowing in your mental health? What are you sowing physically? What are you sowing in your relationships? And I'm not immune to this, that all of us have to have regular check-ins with the ones we love to say, how are we doing? Are we sowing what we're hoping to reap? Or are we planting something different, hoping that the seeds change once they're in the ground? Right? What are you passionate about? What are you skilled at? Because God can use all things to bring glory to him and to meet the needs of others. And then thirdly, what we see is that you can sow of your time. Another way to spell love is T-I-M-E. Are you giving of your time? You know, I'm so grateful for the people within this church, for those that are setting up, those that are serving in nursery. Those are running the tech. Those who are here at six in the morning. Those who are travel across the world and are already meeting the needs of a family, but then on the weekends, choosing time to make a difference. You know, we have such incredible people here at the church. You know, uh, I'll I'll pick on or slash encourage Big Sean in the back. Uh, if you've never met Sean, if Sean and I are standing together, we look like the before and after of a workout program. Uh, me being the before. And, uh, and so, you know, Sean, anytime you see someone who's got the muscles and the good looks, you never say this out loud, but internally you think to yourself, yeah, but I bet they got some issues. <laughs> right? If you've never seen a good looking person and thought that to yourself, you were lying. Right? We do that, right? But then, Sean, someone told me, like, oh, what is Sean doing this weekend? I heard that it was either this weekend or coming up that you're delivering Christmas trees to burn victims. I'm like, man. I pray for you Sean that you work on your character no I, but in all seriousness I love it I love that we have people that do that I love that all the Christmas tags are being taken to provide a christmas for a hope kids family I love for those that are going the extra mile to buy the groceries for a neighbor or giving someone a ride to the airport or just writing a note of encouragement to a friend understand this church that we are so blessed to be here I'm so honored and grateful For those that give, and if you are not giving of your time, if you're not giving of your treasures and your talent, I'm here to tell you, you're missing out. You're missing out because you don't need, it's not, it's not like God needs something from you. He spoke the world into existence, he's fine. But when he invites you into this, he's inviting you to be like himself. He's inviting you into a greater purpose and a greater joy and a greater significance. So that when you sow of your treasure and of your talent and of your time, when you pursue the goodness for your community, for the sake of goodness, when you establish grit in your life through accountability, through stability and support, and through taking responsibility for what you can, I'm here to tell you that the world takes notice. We don't have time to go through the end of the letter, but Paul makes it personal and. And he writes about that the only thing that counts is being a new creation in him. And that when you pray and you follow Christ, that peace and mercy will follow you. And he ends the letter in verse 18. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit, brothers, amen. That's my prayer for you today. I wanna end with a, a, a cute little story. I actually just heard it this morning. It was fitting. I just was online and saw it this morning, so I share with you online friend of mine, uh, a believer, serves in a church, he, uh, he posted that his kiddos were home, they were home, so they had to watch church online, not our church, they were a different part of the country. And so they had church online in the living room, and in the middle of the service, his little boy looked up at him and says, Dad, can I have Jesus? I mean, as a pastor, right, like you can't get better than that, right? And so, he's, and so this leader started thinking, oh my goodness, this is incredible. Was it the sermon, was it the song, was it the spirit just stirring in my son's heart? And he goes into this explanation about how Jesus is incredible and how Jesus is the reason for the season and the beginning of Christmas. And as he's in the middle of just this joyful preaching moment, his son looks up at him and says, no dad, can I have Cheez-Its? And he holds up the bowl and he looks down and realizes, oh, My son was just snacking. (laughs) Look, I love me some Cheez-Its, okay? But if I can offer you one thing this morning, may you walk out with the hope and the message of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that changes you. That's the thing that changes everything. That's why we gather. That's why we serve. That's why we give. And when we do that as Christians and we come together as a community, we can grow in our grit and in our goodness and you can break through the 20th mile and finish well and finish strong. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that your spirit will move. We ask that you would come and speak to our hearts today. God, help us to pursue grit and goodness in our community to serve one another we love you god and it's in your son's name we pray amen